0: well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
1: cargo shorts are out guys i don't know if you
0: know this we are not to wear cargo shorts anymore those are out
1: of style and that is not to be worn i don't know what to do I don't know what to do because I got a lot of stuff to carry. You know, in the winter we have jackets, lots of pockets. In the fall we can wear a hoodie, stuff stuff in the little kangaroo pocket there. Summer rolls around, I got nothing, I got to carry, guys. I got to carry, and I don't know what to do with it. I got, I got like wallet, keys, phone, lighter, weed, bowl. I got to carry, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, winter not going anywhere, though, in the Midwest. I am Rami Makhlouf. I'm not going anywhere for the next two hours. I'll be with you right here on 670. The score, I got Adam Studzinski on the other side of the glass. And a jam-packed couple hours live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I'm going to get into the Lance Lynn injury and the implications of it with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast coming up at about 7.20 in just a few minutes. Then I want to talk about that injury with you and why the White Sox maybe put themselves in a precarious position before Lancelin ever went down. Talk about that. Also, Matt Peck of the uh, chgo bulls podcast he'll be here at eight o'clock to talk well some chicago bulls with me and i want to talk some bulls with you i want to talk some bears with you but just went final down in arizona cubs beat the uh, white Sox in the longest spring training game in the history of spring training games that was this show was supposed... What time was this show supposed to get started, Adam Studzinski? Oh, around well,
2: like 6.30 or so,
1: six, yeah. 6.30 is what we were <laughs> scheduled to do, and did as, uh not 6.30. So to channel Les Grobsteed, we're going to try and put a two-and-a-half-hour show into a two-hour bag, and the Cubs beat the White Sox 15-9. to And I figured, you know what? We probably got Cubs fans listening and probably feeling pretty good after that game, and I got a few minutes before uh, Josh Nelson joins me to change gears and talk some White Sox, let's ride this optimism. And I just, the thought occurred to me today. And you know, I hate to do this. I hate to do this because I really didn't like the idea of expanding the playoffs and lowering the bar for what is competitive in Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? And further de-incentivizing owners from spending and really trying to compete. And put a World Series team out there on the field on opening day, or or do your best to do that, come as close to doing that as as you possibly can. I don't I don't like that because they already didn't have enough incentive to to spend and really try and compete. But this is the landscape that we live in now, and I don't know if I have any choice but to go ahead and live in it and play along with it. So the thought occurred to me today, and I hate myself for this thought occurring to me, but. With this extra wild card spot, are the playoffs out of the question for the Cubs? Is a wild card out of the question for the Cubs? I might have a couple of minutes to take a call or two at 312-644-6767. You can always text the show, tweet the show at 312 6767 or at 67 seven score at Rami, R-A-M-I-E is tweeting. So as, as my mind started to wander, I went, well, what if there was a sixth wild card in the National League last year. And, and that would have been the Cincinnati Reds. At 83 wins. Would have been that last that last wild card. That sixth playoff spot. if If there were one in the National League last year. And then after that. Between the Reds and the Cubs. You had Philly at 82. The Padres at 79. The Mets at 77. And the Rockies at 74. I don't think it's crazy or out of the question for the Cubs and some other really mediocre baseball teams to think about making a jump and getting into the playoff picture and stealing one of those wild cards. And when I say mediocre, I'm not just talking about the Cubs. I'm talking, I like, I like what the Marlins kind of did this off season and some of the young talent that they have there. The nationals have a bunch of talent and just can't seem to stay healthy. They spent buku bucks on talent over the last few off seasons and just have had bad injury luck. And then the teams above the Cubs, the Rockies, yeah, they signed Chris Bryant. Does anybody trust them to really put a winning team around Chris Bryant? The Mets will always be the Mets, and Jacob deGrom is not going to start the season on the mound for them this year because he has an injury. The Padres, ton of talent, ton of injuries, and not really living up to it. And the, I do like what the Phillies did this year, but the Reds have dropped off the map. It's not it's not an insurmountable Mountain to climb for the Cubs, or like I said, some other mediocre teams to get into that playoff picture. And I don't know how much that means. I don't know how much. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what what that'll actually do. But the reality is that in baseball, if you do get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And again, this is what I hated about expanding the playoffs because. Now, Cubs fans and, and fans of other teams that aren't really trying to win a World Series this year get this this false hope or this false sense that they have a contending team. But here we are. And and I want to know, do you, think, do you think a wild card and getting a playoff spot is out of the question? I don't think they can compete for the Central. I think the Brewers got a good 90 wins in them just on that pitching staff alone. And if a couple of their bats heat up, namely Christian Yelich and Keston Hira, I think that could be a really good like World Series caliber baseball team. So I don't think the Cubs are going to be anywhere near contention for the NL Central. But as far as the wild card goes, really what it's going to take is a handful, maybe more than that, of like some catching lightning in a bottle type of seasons. You got two pretty good starters with Hendricks and Stroman at the top. Wade Miley has done some things in this league, man. Wade Miley has done some things in this league where he's good enough to be a number two starter in in a lot of rotations. And even just last year, he was pretty good. So I wouldn't be surprised if once he gets off the injury list that he can can do some things and surprise some people and have one of those lightning in a bottle type of seasons. And up and down this lineup, whether it's a Frank Schwindel or an Ian Happ or a Madrigal, or we don't know necessarily exactly what we have in Seiya Suzuki, but it looks like it could be pretty good. The Cubs think they might have something with the Clint Frazier. Up and down this lineup, you got six, seven guys that have either shown some signs that they can do something in this league or have done some things in this league before and have just sort of fallen off previous performance and, and regressed a little bit, but you know that it's in there with, with say, an Ian Happ. You, you know it's in there. You know he's succeeded at this level before. The place where I really struggle to see anything close to what you're going to need to, to even to even get to that, if it is like an 83-85 win threshold to be in, in the conversation for that last wild card spot, I don't know. I mean, I'll, you got Wick, and he's he can do some things out of that bullpen, But outside of that, I mean, you're really, really reaching to even find, like I said, some of these guys that could be lightning in the bottle type of candidates who've done things in this league or shown signs that they can do something in this league. I'm going to be real with you and tell you, I don't even know uh, who a lot of these guys are. Really cool moment in the Cubs dugout today when Ethan Roberts got the news that he was going to make the opening day roster, and I know he's... He's a young guy that they think might be able to do some things, but I I don't some somebody's really going to have to step up in that in that bullpen and surprise the hell out of me for me to think that that the Cubs could could get into that wild card picture. But with with the threshold being so low, and it's what I don't like about the expanded playoffs, it's not I don't think out of the question. Let's switch some gears, talk some White Sox, bad news for the Sox earlier today Lance Lynn Going to miss some time with the knee injury. Let's talk about that with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine Podcast. He'll join me next right here on 6.7 to Score.
3: We were in the running. We were one of the last two teams. It was San Diego and our ball club for Sean Manaya. As it turned out, San Diego's offer was a little more enticing, and Manaya went to the Padres. But I would assume, and knowing Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams as I do, I know that they're absolutely trying to exhaust every aspect of, of getting the Sox uh, I think a, another quality starting arm and you know that's, that's not going to be easy because the people that have them uh, at this point are going to ask a king's ransom because they realize the situation that the, the Sox are in they're certainly not going to do anything that helps them unless it benefits uh, the team that they're coming from so uh, I think that it's not going to be easy but I think it is doable and, and I, I would assume that uh, we'll see something coming up. I know if it if it doesn't happen, it won't be for lack of effort.
1: That was Steve Stone earlier today with Lawrence Holmes right here on 670 The Score. Rami Maklouf with you on the score until nine o'clock. And Steve obviously reacting to the news that Lance Lynn is now going to need knee surgery and he's going to need four weeks before he gets on the mound and then maybe a four-week process from there on to ramp things up. So the Sox are going to have to figure things out without Lance Lynn for a minute. And joining me now on the Circa Resort and Casino guest line from the Sox Machine podcast is Josh Nelson. Josh, how are you this evening, my man?
3: Well, I feel a lot better. Uh, A 45-minute storm door install it took six hours uh so i'm so grateful to be talking with you about white Sox baseball was this was this you installing it
1: or was this supposed professionals who didn't understand how to do this and it took them six hours
3: no it was me and okay. my idiot self thinking oh 45 <laughs> minutes all right <laughs> i had the
1: same experience i uh lost the keys to my apartment and uh, lost a spare, too, because I'm smart, Josh. So I had to change the locks on my apartment, and uh, it should have been much easier than, than I made it. We should just call people. We should just call people when we you have those things and not put ourselves <laughs> in this position. Here's a good segue. Should the White Sox have called somebody about pitching before Lance Lynn ever went down with an injury?
3: Well, I think they were pretty much all in or try to be all in with Sean Manaya who was the most available starting pitcher in the trade market. And unfortunately, San Diego beat out the White Sox again on another target, whether that's free agency or trade. And it's getting really old and very annoying that the Padres continue to do this. But doesn't mean that there's not options out there. There is Frankie Montas. Mm-hmm. However, Montas has two years of control and thus will be more expensive in exchange of players than what San Diego sent to Oakland for Sean Manaya, And the White Sox have the worst farm system in all of Major League Baseball at the moment. Uh, so I don't think they've got the trade assets to, to pull that off unless they would seriously consider moving Andrew Vaughn. But I don't see that as a real possibility that the White Sox move Vaughn in exchange for Frankie Montas. So I think they're in a holding pattern here. Now, there are rumors about Johnny Cueto, uh, and that's interesting. I know the Minnesota Twins are also thinking about Johnny Cueto, but the options are really limited. And this is going to be the story from today all the way through the trade deadline, which has now been pushed into August on August 2nd. No one, as far as the contenders, has enough starting pitching and if you continue to have these types of injuries and i think we're going to see these types of injuries continue in april through may you're going to see a lot of high scoring games because the quality of starting pitching is going to diminish and it may decide division races across the league where how good is your triple a pitching staff because they're going to get starts and i didn't i wasn't expecting to start 2022 having to speculate or analyze how Rinaldo Lopez or Vince Velasquez would factor into the White Sox starting rotation. But that's where we are right now to start the season. And I guess the silver lining is the White Sox are not the only team in this boat right now. If you just look across the entire league, there's major questions, especially with the contenders, on just how deep their starting pitching staff is. So you think there might be a, a revolving door or a shuttle
1: between, between the, the, the big league roster and, and the AAA team in terms of that
3: fifth spot or maybe even the fourth spot in the rotation? Possibly. And I think that's for all of the contenders this year. I mean, the New York Mets, I don't know how long they're not going to have Jacob deGrom. And Max Scherzer's not ready to go. So that's their number one and number two that they don't have to start the season. Uh, so they're in a really tight spot. The Yankees don't have enough starting pitching. The Minnesota Twins don't have enough starting pitching to really threaten the White Sox in the American League Central. This is just going to be an ongoing thing. And for the starting pitchers that maybe do perform well for the teams that are not very good, like Baltimore and Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, perhaps those guys become available. You may be buying high. And they may not have a very good track record, but teams are going to be so desperate for starting pitching, I think, between now and before the trade deadline. We're going to see a lot of starting pitching move for teams to get ready in the postseason. But coming with coming close to opening day, yeah, Vince Velazquez, Rinaldo Lopez, start stretching out. You're going to have to eat some innings early in April.
1: I'm talking with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast here on the score on a Monday night, Rami Mackloff, your host. Do they have Do they have the offense to to carry the load and, until things do get solidified in the starting rotation, Josh? If if they can stay healthy, which they couldn't seem to do last year.
3: Yeah, it's this is a flip. Uh, last year we were worried right. about the offense, and the White Sox starters were healthy, and the starting pitching really made up the gap. Now it's the starting pitching in the bullpen, uh, dealing with some injuries. But the offense is healthy. And I do think the White Sox have enough offense, especially adding A.J. Pollock. And I think they're going to go with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, both on the 28-man roster on opening day. I mean, one through eight is a very dangerous path for opposing pitchers. And Josh Harrison, if he's starting at second base, he's no slouch either. and He's going to be batting ninth. This has got the potential to be one of the most dangerous offenses in the American League. They're going to have to hit like it in April and May to prevent any type of slow start. And when I buy, when I say slow start, I'm saying try to avoid an 11-10 or 10 and 11 record after the month of April. Like if they want to be a couple games above 500 when the calendar flips from April to May, the offense needs to hit right away. The, the first few series are not easy by any stretch. I mean, Detroit, they bolstered their lineup, but then you come home and you're facing Seattle and Tampa Bay in your first homestand. Both of these teams have playoff aspirations. I mean, the Rays won, I think 100 games last year, Seattle won 90 games. This is not a cakewalk to start the season for the White Sox. So if they're going to have a winning record through the first three series of the season, They really do need the offense to hit the ground running and avoid the conversation we always have in the sense of, well, it's April, the weather is cold, so are the bats. I think that's ridiculous because it's also cold in October, uh, and maybe that explains why the offense faltered in the postseason against Houston, even though they played inside for a few of those games. Uh, but they really do need to hit the ground running and hit the ball immediately to help make up the gap in the pitching side. And listen, Liam Hendricks may have a few seven to six saves that he's going to be closing out for the White Sox early. But I, I do have confidence that the offense is going to score enough runs to make up the gap.
1: You know, Josh, just I'm sort of putting together the pieces of a few things you've said as as we've talked here over the last few minutes. He said the White Sox have the worst farm system in baseball. We, we talked about the fact that now they're in a position of looking for guys to just eat up innings after the Lance Lynn injury. And we're kind of in that position even before the Lance Lynn injury. And you just laid out a pretty good offense before they even had A.J. Pollock. And I know it's not an either-or proposition of going and getting A.J. Pollock or getting yourself a starting pitcher, but... With the farm system being what it is, you're, you're one major trade chip. And and even despite the the season that he had or the, the, the stretch that he had last year after coming over and joining the White Sox, the, the major trade chip that you had that you were shopping out there was Craig Kimbrell. Wouldn't it have been maybe wiser to to, to use Craig Kimbrell or at least hold out with with him until you can get a starting pitcher in some in, in some kind of trade or package in return for him?
3: That is a good question. I think Rick Hahn did the best that he possibly could with Craig Kimbrell. And the reason I say this is that I am concerned about Kimbrell's overall stuff. And he is someone that I'm going to be paying attention to, especially with the Statcast cast data, because the data don't lie mm. on how he's throwing with the Dodgers early. Because if the velocity continues to go down, even with Los Angeles, then Rick Hahn did very well to get A.J. Pollock in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. The other side that I think with Kimbrell, that if the White Sox held on to Kimbrell, especially in light of Garrett Crochet missing the entire season, the bullpen is still incredibly strong. And you're going to have to lean on the bullpen to start the season. And if Kimbrell can bounce back, yeah, you can design a bullpen that gets you through this gap, not having Lance Lynn. But I think with what Rick Hahn did to get AJ Pollock, honestly, was the best that he could do. I don't think anyone was going to give up a starting pitcher for Craig Kimbrel. This was a rare opportunity for a major league swap as far as players. AJ Pollock gets paid ten million. He's got a five million dollar opt out next year, so he's getting at least fifteen million from the White Sox. Kimberls were worth $16 million. The Dodgers don't have enough at-bats or Pollock because their team is absolutely loaded, but they don't have a closer. The White Sox need a credible outfielder. Boom, match made in heaven. They exchange players. What's really hurting the White Sox right now, and it's been very clear with the rebuilding teams, they want to go young. And for White Sox fans and speculation, and even I thought that maybe Gavin Sheets could be valuable to another team. Teams are not interested in the 25-year-olds. They want your 18-, 19-, and 20-year-olds. Well, the White Sox don't have enough of those guys right now. And they don't have enough interesting teenagers to beat out teams like the San Diego Padres to get Sean Benaya. That's where it's hurting the White Sox right now is the lack of quality teenagers in their farm system that garner attention from everyone, from other teams, other scouts, and, of course, the prospect writers. If the White Sox had better teenage talent, then I think they could pull off some of these trades that have gone down, like Sonny Gray to the Minnesota Twins, and, of course, Shamanaya. Talking with
1: Josh Nelson, Sox Machine Podcast here on The Score for just a few more minutes last year, the the white Sox had the luxury of a really weak AL central. And, and, and I think that remains the case in a lot of people's eyes and the Indians continue, or excuse me, the, the Cleveland commanders continue to sell off pieces of that squad. And I don't think they're a problem anytime soon, but that twin squad, that's a team that won 90 plus games set the single season home run record. Mm -hmm just a couple of years ago before having some injury problems. Now they add a Carlos Correa. The Tigers look like like they're trying to compete and added a few pieces, including Javi Baez in the offseason. And that Royals squad, that that's a young team that's up and coming and showed some flashes and made a little noise at, at points of last year. Do you think this division is a little tougher, if, if not to win, at least to play within in terms of the, the teams you're going to be facing more often than anybody else this
3: year, Josh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the White Sox crushed the Twins last year in the head-to-head matchup. I don't think the White Sox are going 14-5 and against the Minnesota Twins in 2022. I think they could still win the season series, but not by that much. And I think Detroit's going to be a much tougher test. And Kansas City last year, they won the season series against the White Sox. They won 10 out of 19 games against the White Sox in 2021. You're right. I mean, the Carlos Correa being added to the Twins, and then, of course, Minnesota making that trade with the Yankees. Who knows? Maybe Gary Sanchez turns it around. That offense still could be very explosive. Again, their big question is starting pitching and also the bullpen. Cleveland, it's going to be tough to score four or five runs against them can you maneuver around Jose Ramirez to prevent him from getting four runs for Cleveland? Cause it's going to be tough for the guardians to score runs, but Detroit and Kansas city. Those are the two teams that I'm circling right now because they Detroit really surprised people with how well they played above 500 ball since May 1st in 2021 and the Kansas city Royals. I'm telling you right now, folks, Bobby witt jr is going to be a star And when you have a mixture of young studs along with Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield, that is a very dangerous Royals offense to deal with. Do they have enough pitching to maybe sneak up on the White Sox and be a serious challenger? I don't know. And, again, that's the question for everybody. But this is not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. Though the White Sox, and I do think they know this, It's a different story. In 2021, they were going toe to toe with the Minnesota Twins. Now, in 2022, the target is on their back. Everyone is hunting them. Everyone's going to play their best game against the White Sox. We'll see if the White Sox are up to the challenge.
1: By the way, I think I called them the Cleveland Commanders a second ago. It's the Guardians. All these name changes. Got me, <laughs> mi- got me mixed up, Josh. <laughs> hey, and, and I, I know they're not in the AL Central, but while we're talking about teams that, that could surprise, I'm intrigued by this Mariners squad out west, man. And today they announced that their young prospect, Julio Rodriguez, is going to mm-hmm. make the, the ball jumps off that kid's bat. And they got they got a few of those young, young guys out there in Seattle where the ball jumps off their bat. And they're, they're, there's a little bit of, of buzz around uh, uh, some of
3: their young players. Yeah, the, my, my bold prediction for the American League this year is that the two teams that barely missed the postseason, Toronto and Seattle, last year, mm-hmm. are going to win their respective divisions. Wow. I think the Blue Jays are going to win the American League East, and for the first time since 2001, uh, so there are people in Seattle who are 21 years old that could legally drink that have never seen their team make the postseason. Uh, the Mariners are going to win the American League last. I think they'll overtake the Houston Astros, which the Astros are still going to be a very dangerous team, but I think everything is, the Darrow is moving, pointing way up for Toronto and Seattle. Uh, yeah, these two teams are incredibly dangerous, especially Seattle offensively. I mean, that is also another stacked lineup. And I think that's going to be the theme early this season, especially in the American League. Every, I expect everyone on Memorial Day to be writing their columns, where is the pitching in the American League? Um, because we're seeing all these high-scoring games. Uh, and who knows, maybe they bring back the super bouncy ball to make it really interesting. But if it is going to be high-scoring games, as a White Sox fan, you should still be confident because not only do they have the firepower offensively, The bullpen is still strong. Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease are still healthy, and there's still a lot of potential with Michael Kopech. I think they have enough to weather the storm of Lance Lynn missing. And when Lynn does come back, looking at the second half of the White Sox schedule, much easier for them than the first half. So I think we're going to see maybe the White Sox hover around 500 for the first 60 games of the year, but the last 102, I think they're going to take off and, win another American League Central.
1: That's Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Sox Machine. Josh, I'm, i my guest for the last few minutes here on The Score. Always appreciate the time and the insight, Josh. Thanks a lot, man.
3: No problem. And lesson learned, I will hire someone to install my next door.
1: Yeah, that's probably the smart thing to do.
3: <laughs> and he joined me on The Score hotline presented by Circa
1: Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest Sportsbook, did the White Sox leave themselves open to to what they're going through now? I want to talk about that with you right after this. Robin Makloff with you on the score on a Monday night.
3: So that's a strikeout, but not an RBI for Alfonso Rivas. Nick Madrigal takes
0: the 1-1 pitch, hits it very high and very deep into left field. That one threatening, and it's gone. Nick Madrigal with a three-run homer off Bennett Sousa. This one now
2: blown wide open.
1: Matt Spiegel with the call as the Cubs top the White Sox in Cactus League action today, 15 to nine, as heard right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score Cubs wrap up. The Cactus League portion of the schedule tomorrow with the Rangers, 2:05 first pitch here on the score, and the Bulls in action. They will host the Bucks with a seven o'clock tip here on the score. We're going to talk some Bulls with um, oh Matt Peck coming up at eight o'clock. I almost drew a complete blank on his name there for a second. My apologies to him, but I want to talk some Sox with you right now. And in in the in in the wake of the news. That Lance Lynn is going to miss qu- quite some time. He has a torn tendon in in his knee that's going to require surgery and they're saying 4 weeks before he gets up on a mound and then maybe another 4 weeks of a ramp-up process from there. Coming off a great season, obviously. He was in the Cy Young race, 2.69 ERA, 107 whip, gave you 157 innings in a shortened season last year now they're relying on the likes of Ronaldo Lopez and, and Vince Velasquez to, to fill the, that last spot in the rotation as I was just talking about with Josh Nelson and look not not the worst the worst options that, that a team could turn to in a situation like the Sox are in right now but if you're talking about a team that's that's trying to win a World Series and I saw power rankings put out today by MLb.com that's got the White Sox as the third best team in all of baseball. If you're going to live up to expectations like that, I don't know why this White Sox team didn't already go and get a starting pitcher. And I, I know people were killing Rick Hahn for not going out and getting a bat, going out and getting somebody to plug into, into the right field and DH rotation. And they finally did that in A.J. Pollock. But just about a week before they made that, that Pollock deal, I was talking with Bruce Levine. I was, I was hosting a shift right here on the score, and, and we were talking about the possibility of going and getting a bat that's because White Sox fans were screaming for that. And I think because White Sox fans were screaming for that, I sort of fell into it and, and thought that's what they needed. And Bruce brought up the, the, the point that actually they need an arm right now more than they need a bat. And as, as I looked at it, I was like, man, you know what, they they really do need to go and get a pitcher. And this was before Lance Lynn went down with the injury. The White Sox kind of let themselves open to this and, and having a question mark looming over the five spot in their rotation with Lance Lynn going down. Because, first of all, pitching is so precarious and so, so, so delicate and precious and fragile that really... Their luck last year in terms of the health of their starting pitchers, and I know it wasn't it wasn't clean from from start to finish with the Bruce the, the White Sox starting rotation, but relatively speaking, the White Sox were lucky with the health of their starting pitchers last year. And to think or to assume that that's going to happen again on top of letting a Carlos Rodon walk away is a bit foolish on the White Sox part. And I don't and to me. Not how a team acts that's in a World Series contending window. That You have to strike right now. And I don't think that leaving yourself susceptible to what the White Sox, the position the White Sox find themselves in now, is how teams that are in a World Series contending window necessarily operate. Because if let's, let's look at the domino effects of all this. You let Carlos Rodon walk in free agency. Okay. You're planning on Michael Kopech to step in and take that spot in the rotation. And a lot of people have high hopes for Michael Kopech. All right. But who's taking his 69 innings of and 69 pretty good innings? Nice. In from from, from the bullpen last year. And and then it just trickles down from there. And then on top of that, you have an injury like what you have. With a Lance Lynn right now, and on top of that, and I alluded to this with Josh Nelson just a few minutes ago when he was on with me. I don't think the sale central is the cakewalk that a lot of people think that it is. I think you have some some teams that are that are improving and improving in a number of ways. With the Royals, it's mostly improvement from within and prospects developing and and rising. And becoming better, and then building that that roster through through that method, and then you have the the Tigers and the Twins, and especially the Twins. I think that's a team that could be a problem. That's that's a team that won 90 plus games just a couple of years ago, had some injury problems last year, and fell off the map, and then went out and made some moves this year, including adding a potential MVP at shortstop in Carlos Correa, a five-time all-star with a gold glove to his name. I don't I don't think this AL Central is as easy to win as as a lot of people think that it is. And I think the White Sox kind of screwed up and left themselves open to 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 disappointment this year. And I don't I'm not saying that that's how it will turn out. I'm just saying that this it's looking more possible now then maybe it did not too long ago. And if if you if you had a little bit of foresight about what could happen with your starting rotation and how lucky you were last year with with the health of the starting rotation, relatively speaking, to some other teams, you you could have you could have prevented this. And I would have even gone so far as to hang on to Craig Kimbrell. Until some kind of trade for a serviceable arm came up, instead of going out and getting AJ Pollock, I think this team had the offense that they needed to to contend and then some with what they have in house, what they had in house before the AJ Pollock deal. I would have hung on to Craig Kimbrell and see if a deal for an arm comes up. Do the White Sox have to go out and get a starting pitcher? Should they have already? Three one two six four four six seven. You can also tweet the show at 67 and score at Rami R-A-M-I-E is tweeting a very angry texter from the 773 says Han doesn't mind throwing away young talent as the idiot did throwing away Madrigal for a not needed, not young closer in Kimbrell. Han is scary and could give Vaughn away for some peace and to wonder why all this media did keeps giving Han a pass. All this media did was keep giving Han a pass. Sorry, I can read. I don't think Ray Khan has gotten a pass from, from the media as a whole and certainly not from White Sox fans. I just think I just think a lot of people had had their eyes on on the wrong prize. Everybody everybody wanted the bat. And the reaction that I saw mostly on social media and, and a few minutes here and there listening to the score Seemed pretty positive for the AJ Pollock deal. I didn't think, and again, it was a conversation I had with with uh, Bruce, Levine, uh, just, Bruce Levine, just Bruce Levinek, just a couple weeks ago here on the Score, that that kind of got those wheels turning, of thinking, you know what? No, it's 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 an arm that they need, and they're one injury away in that starting rotation of being kind of in a precarious spot with that starting rotation, and that other shoe fell with Lance Lynn, who looks like he's not going to be available to the Sox for for probably about eight weeks. The first couple of months of their season, they're going to have to do without Lance Lynn. And not to be too gloom and doomy with you, but even if Lance Lynn is healthy, Adam Studzinski, other side of the glass, tell me if, should we have expected Lance Lynn to do what he did last year as, as a 34-year-old to be able To have a career year at age 34, to repeat that and do that again this year? Because I think, if anything, we're probably expecting a little bit of regression from Lance Lynn, even if he's not hurt. Is Is that crazy to say?
2: Oh, absolutely not. I was actually, when I saw that they extended him last year, I was actually a little surprised that they gave him three years because I was thinking, like, okay, one more year and... That's probably going to be the end of it. so we'll we'll see what happens. But I yeah, I think you have to expect regression with him just based on on his age. And so now you throw this injury in he's going to be slow to start. I'll be shocked if he has the kind of year that he did last year, but I still think he's going to be an important like a key piece of the rotation and be reliable, which is ultimately what they need out of those, especially the out of the rotation in general, because the rotation, kind of let them down in the playoffs. I mean, Giolito was fine, but Dylan Cease was not. There was only a couple guys you could really rely on. And that is what Lance Lynn brings.
1: Yeah. I try not to overreact or panic over, over playoff performances. It's, it's such a small sample size and whether, whether it's an offense falling apart and the White Sox offense completely disappeared, didn't they not score a run for, like, two, two whole games? Am I remembering that correctly? Last year, in that series against the no, Astros, No, I blocked it out. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to bring up painful memories. But I try tried, I tried not to, to put too much stock into postseason performances because Major League Baseball's postseason is just so weird and wild and wacky and random, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and it almost never holds up to the larger sample size. So we'll see how the White Sox... Hold up to this Lance Lynn injury, and if Rick has any more cards up his sleeve, the Bulls need a card up their sleeve, the way things have been going lately and with the championship bucks on the horizon. Let's talk some Bulls with Matt Peck of the uh, CHGO Bulls podcast. He'll join me next right here on The Score on a Monday night.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one...